and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about both vengeance and not okay. Joining me today, if he was a lesser journalist, he'd be scheming how to fake a trip to Cannes. It's Joey Madison. Joey, how's it going? I'm I'm actually okay with vengeance, so, you know. <laughs> uh, and no, I, if I was a smarter journalist, I'd be faking a trip to Telluride and not spending the money on that. <laughs> There you go. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm very excited to uh, watch your coverage of that. So uh, well, while your wallet might be hurting, I think all the awards radar readers will be, uh, you know, very satisfied. Better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, we're going to start today by talking about Not OK. It is the newest movie from uh, writer, director Quinn Shepard, follow up to 2017's Blame, which, you know, she put all of us to shame by writing and directing and producing and editing at the ripe old age of 20. Uh, and Not Okay is her uh, follow-up to that, starring uh, Zoe Deutsch and uh, Mia Isaac and uh, Nadia Alexander and just a, you know, a gonzo performance from Dylan O'Brien. It tells the story of a uh, young woman named Danny Sanders, who is a photo editor working at a, just some kind of online publication in New York, and she just wants more in life and kind of aspires to be like a lot of the other more successful writers and influencers out there online, people she works with, stuff like that. And as a way to kind of try and get some clout, she uh, fakes a trip to a writer's retreat in Paris and uses her Photoshop skills to help with that. All of a sudden, though, she wakes up one morning after posting some pictures and there has been a terrorist attack in Paris and everyone's all worried about her. And she just kind of leans into it instead of, you know, outright telling the truth about where she actually was and that she was faking the whole thing. And, you know, uh, all of a sudden, some opportunities come her way, including writing about the experience and, and befriending a young activist named Rowan Aldrin, played by Mia Isaac. And, you know, this, uh, as most scams do, it can only go on for so long. We're actually told at the beginning, you know, that's not actually how it happens because we, we meet her in the middle of the fallout and we do a little bit of a flashback. Joey, I'm curious. Uh, I, I feel like I've seen you talk before about how you're a pretty big fan of Zoe Deutsch. So am I. I know we talked about Buffalo a couple years ago. Uh, and I'm curious, it just it, to me, this felt like something like she has been like working towards almost in a way to like something that would like she could star in like this that would just like kind of like let her, you know, just like go all out and utilize like all of her strengths of an actress. And to me, this movie felt like like the perfect marriage of like star and content and also like writer, director and content. Because to me, like this is some pretty timely subject matter and i feel like quinn shepherd might have been like the right person to tackle it at this point uh what was your kind of reaction to like going into this movie because that was or coming out of this movie because that was like my big takeaway it's like wow i feel like they got all the right people to do this similar yeah i i um so i remember i interviewed zoe deutsch early this year for the outfit when we mm. Dylan O'Brien. Dylan O'Brien, yeah. Uh, and she had mentioned, because I've been trying to interview her for years and it had fallen through, but apparently she was aware that, like, I tried to get her nominated for Flower and Buffaloed and a couple other things. Like, I even, like, everybody wants some. I, I was talking about her supporting turn. I mean, I think even, like, with Dirty Grandpa, I was like, the movies, you're not going to be for everyone, but, like, she's good. And, like, every she's always good. And mm -hmm. uh, kind of what she was like, I'm aware. I'm aware of what you're doing for me. I really yeah. want you to see Not Okay. And I was like, I know, I, let me look that one up. Because I knew she was in something, but I don't know if I remembered what it was about. And then I saw, wait, Quinn Shepard. I, I guess really, you saw Blame. I saw Blame at Tribeca yeah. like five years ago or something. Right. And the, movie, the movie's good. Blame is good. Um, I mean, when you realize she was 22 or something when she shot it, 20 or something, you're just like. When she wrote it, yeah. Just mad at her just for being <laughs> talented. But yeah, it is, it is the right combination of a young voice. I think I think this story done by like someone in their 40s would, would be rough. And and Zoe is very skilled at the. 
unlikable is not necessarily the right word. I mean, this character is meant to be unlikable, but like buffaloed flower, strong women who don't do the traditional like, oh, I'm a damsel or I'm meant to be saved by men. Like they're very strong willed and they have a point of view, whether you agree with it or not. But, but could also maybe be grading in that there might not always be making like the smartest decision. Oh, I mean, yeah, like in Flower, she's like basically rickrolling people for money and like offering up sex and and, and blowjobs. And in Buffalo, she's running she's a scam. Also like, grifting, yes. <laughs> yeah, like she does seem to love being a grifter in some way. Um, and here she is kind of too. Um, I like that the early parts of it are funnier because you need to kind of get in with the satire and and she needs to be kind of awful in a bigger way. And then when she does the thing... The movie gets a little progressively more serious while still having funny moments. I think like Dylan O'Brien is very much like comic relief, but mm -hmm. it's the traditional like, oh, now you're supposed to start to like her. But the movie is clear and like, no, you're not really supposed to like her. Feel free to identify with her in some way. Feel free to empathize. But, you know, even every time something good happens or you're supposed to be a little annoyed, it's it's the inverse of. Um, she actually referenced it in an interview, but I had thought about these movies like an American Psycho or Wolf of Wall Street, where the movies don't tell you not to like these people, but you're supposed to have common sense and realize Jordan Belfort's a bad person. Patrick Bateman is a psychopath. And, you know, the people who love those movies unironically sometimes miss the point. I always remember I was on the train and a girl had a screensaver that showed like a quote from the Wolf of Wall Street. And it was like, you know, the only, the only thing standing in the way between you and success is the bullshit story you tell yourself. And I really wanted to be like, you know, he's a con artist, right? And a <laughs> uh, But, you know, the, oh, no, he's inspirational. So I think that the movie straight up is like, no, she's a con artist. She's a bad person. She's not going to get redeemed. Really is a is in some ways it's sad because it's because it's a female protagonist. You have to say that what they felt they did. But also it's refreshing because then you can just approach the movie. as like, I want to see what happens to this character. And I don't have to feel like there needs to be a redemption arc. Or, or really anything besides what would happen. And that's the credit to the movie is her path is fairly realistic. This is probably what would happen in real life, give or take some of the bigger elements. Yeah, I not necessarily. I don't necessarily want to do a spoiler part of, of this podcast. It's a very accessible movie on Hulu. So by the time people oh, listen really. to this, anyone can watch it or whatever. But I, I, I want to kind of save that final uh, therapy scene. I want to say, yeah, yeah. put that on the back burner for a second, but just kind of say like, I do think like, when you mentioned, is this how something would happen? I think it's kind of important because like it's dealing with oh, something that just gets talked about a lot. Like I said, timely. And I actually, the way that the way the movie is marketed, it almost made it seem like the her, the her downfall was going to be a bigger part of the movie than it actually was. Like we, that's where we pick up, but it's not, you're not so much seeing everything that happens during the aftermath really any more later in the movie than you are in those first three minutes. But it's something I mean, people I, I just think about a lot is if you're someone that spends a lot of time online, you see a lot of time talk, you see a lot of people talking about influencers or just in general, quote unquote, cancel culture and stuff like that. So like exactly how it would go with someone like this who, you know, can fade into obscurity maybe more easily than like a certain level of celebrity, but can easily hit a certain level of notoriety at the same time. Like, how would that play out? And at a certain point, like, I think it gets to a point in this movie where it's like, yeah, you know, she could probably just like, you know, she could probably go figure out how to live her life somewhere else. Like, it's not like she's going off to prison. And I think it, but like at the same time, like she hasn't, she achieves enough of a platform where it's like what she can do can have consequences and your actions online can have some pretty seriously consequences. And that's, I think where the Mia, Mia Isaac character comes in and just make, make things more real for her. And what you said, what you said about when the movie makes that turn, what I like about what Zoe Deutsch does is that, yeah, she makes a couple comments, but she's not like at that point, she's not like being the worst still. And she's like very clearly the worst 
in those early moments at her workspace where you see everyone reacting to her to saying the wrong thing all the time. <laughs> and then she like makes that turn when she starts hanging out with the Mia Isaac character where it's like, if you didn't know any better, you would think that this is like just a regular relationship, but like we have other baggage with her and we know that like every time we see the Mia Isaac character do something out of the goodness of her heart, it's like, oh wow, like we're, that, that makes, that reminds us that Danny's like, eh, not a good person. And I, th well, I think the movie just kind of like strike that balance well and being like how this person would actually like evolve throughout this story without, sure. like you said, letting her off the hook. I mean, even I, I really like the scene. So there's a she's out with the Don O'Brien influencer character and like mm -hmm. kind of gets let down a little bit like, oh, he's kind of shitty or like, oh, this is what that life is like. And I, I don't really want that because the part of the movie is saying that, like, you don't really want to be famous for being famous. Like it's a hollow existence. But so she, you know, she seeks out spending time with Mia Isaac mm -hmm. to sort of feel better about herself. But she also has this like gift bag of like, just like ab absurd things that it just gives mm -hmm. and she sees um a homeless woman and, and gives it to her and you know most movies are cut off with that it's like oh look how nice she is and the homeless person goes the fuck you want me to do with this i'm just like i can't do anything with artisanal soap kind of thing <laughs> i like that the movie remembers like no 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 this is this is something she did to make herself feel better as opposed to helping that woman because nothing in that bag will help someone who doesn't have a home you know, oh, a new a new uh, cell phone case. Yeah, I bet you she doesn't have a cell phone. Like you're not you're not helping her. So the movie remembers its thing. And I think too many things, especially that are satires, but want to do something else. Forget that, you know, they they start real strong and then they get into maybe secretly the story they want to tell or something like that. Like there's a version of this movie that does redeem her and does spend a lot more time with making her have an arc like that. And I love that the arc is. She is fundamentally a different person at the end of the movie, but she is responsible for her actions and will be defined by them. And that's the other thing. Like, it's a movie with consequences, and, and that never happens. Yeah, well, I, I also don't think, like you said, the point about, like, her having that reaction to that life. I think it, I also think the movie is smarter than just, like, uh, trying to, like, paint all influencers as bad also. Uh, I, I, to go back to what I said at the beginning about it kind of being the right person to tackle this, like... I think that term has like taken on so many different connotations in just the last five years, like influencer. And I think some people like, again, there is certainly like a stigma of like just working to work. And I, so I, I thought I, as I was watching it, I kind of thought back to uh, in like 2017, I was watching uh, bachelor in paradise, which uh, as I was telling Joe before we started, it's kind of like the one TV show I indulge in. I don't even call it a guilty pleasure. Cause I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I talk with people about it, but on bachelor in paradise, there was like, two of the characters went out on one of their quote unquote dates. And when they came back, the, 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 the female character told the other female cast members, uh, how, how they were asked, talking about how the date went. And she's like, Oh, he said he wanted to be an influencer. Like, like it was like the worst thing in the world. And it was like catching the show at this very interesting time before that term, like became like much more of like a, a much more commonplace. And it was like something where it was like, there's this illusion on the show of people not go of people just going on there only to find love and not to be famous or something like that. Yeah. And that's like totally gone away in like the last four years. It's just like an accepted thing about like you go on there to like to like become famous and to get a lot of Instagram followers so you can like hawk products online yeah. and make money I that mean, way. All those things are. I mean, that's that's a that's this modern version of it. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, I know I know plenty of up people who when they were up and coming actors in like the eighties mm -hmm. and nineties, they went on game shows. Mm -hmm. You know, all, all half the people on game shows you know you can tell 
there's the sort of like middle-aged housewife type person who just wants to be on the game show because right. they love the show. But whenever you see like the younger, like, oh, I'm a drummer or something like that, they're struggling actors who are like, you get paid like a couple hundred bucks to go on if you get selected and then you get to win whatever you win. Like I know I listened to the Ralph report, which is Ralph Garman, one of Kevin Smith's podcast mm. partners, his daily show. When he was a struggling actor, he used to go on match game and all and let's make <laughs> all these things. And we're just like, oh, yeah, I got a band. I'm, I'm a drummer in this band. They were not, you made that up. You just need to have a story when you went on. And that's just sort of, you're cultivating a personality because there's no social media then. Nowadays, you don't necessarily need to go on a show to do that. You can pretend to go to Paris. Like the movie does kind of put out that like, one of the things about social media, even scaled way down, is you create your own narrative. You know, there's, yeah. nothing, there's nothing stopping me from saying I went to Cannes. <laughs> yeah, except except your own uh, your own integrity. And, and that's, I think, that's, that's, that's <laughs> I'm for sale. But I guess, I guess my overall point was that there's just like a spectrum to this stuff. And she does a good job of like placing this person on the spectrum and like giving you all the proper context for it. And oh, yeah. like, like this isn't just like, this isn't just a, just, just a scammer or nothing else. This is like a privileged white girl that like, doesn't really have like any real concept of what consequences oh, could yeah, be. No, I think I, privileged. she has no consequence. She doesn't, everything you says is accurate. She's medicated. Like mm -hmm. everything is this like perfect storm of someone who doesn't have friends, has a great life, just is lacking the things that make someone happy kind of thing. Yeah. Like, and there's like so many good details about it too, though. Like, like I, you pick up, like they don't explicitly say you have rich parents. You just see her parents have like a super nice Manhattan apartment. You, and she, the things she, that she asks about them ordering, like it's like um, Momofuku or yeah, like, yeah. Or, or, or it might have been, what was it? Um, oh, I forgot what the other one was. I, there, there, I think there was something else. Place, yeah. Right. But it was then, places then, that don't deliver also. I was like, wow. But also she has like a pretty big, like at least what seems like a pretty big Brooklyn apartment by herself as like an early 22 year old. Like how many New Yorkers oh. of that age, like have apartments of that size and don't have to do Don't have a roommate, you know, like 42 year olds sometimes don't. Well, yeah. But, well, so but it's like, like that's the thing of like the Woody Allen movies where everyone had an amazing apartment, but, like, but you're an artist who doesn't work. Like, you know, the, this movie doesn't take the like, no, we just need to look good because it's like friends, like that apartment mm -hmm. doesn't exist. Here, it's, you know, we don't have to call a ton of attention to it, but let's make sure you are on the ground floor with us about who this person is. Yeah, and, well, and well, like dislike her is up to you. Right, while working at a job that can't pay that much entry level, most likely. Oh, yeah, unless no, she's, like, she's, making, she's making 30 grand if she's lucky. Yeah, so it's like, it's just like this girl, like everything's like broken right for her in life, but she she, she just wants more. And I just feel like Quinn Shepard did a great job of like kind of filling in all those details to give you the proper context for why this person would become a monster uh, if they were given the proper, if they were given the platform without the consequences. Whereas like, I think everyone can understand, like there are probably some like people out there who are quote unquote influencers who like, like are harmless, you know? Well, and she's, she's and, definitely someone who sees the Kardashians as aspirational. Whereas mm -hmm. I see them as people who, you know, were born on third base, but act like they hit a triple. Yeah. So how do you think the movie ultimately, like, because so, I think it does have a lot of fun with getting her to that point. How do you think it ultimately does handle that tonal shift once the Rowan, Mia, uh, Isaac character becomes more prominent, fe prominently featured in the story? I think it's slightly jarring for a little bit, just because like the drama is pretty straight drama, mm -hmm. uh, but they do a good job of, of sort of like jolting you back into this attire whenever it's been a little too long to remember like oh no this is big and i think it does a good job i think you know it's it it kind of forgets the comedy and satire in the last 15 20 minutes which is fine i think it it, it needs to yeah but you know after the first act which i think is like 80 20 in like the comedy drama split it's 50 50 for a little bit then like 
60-40 in favor of drama, and then it's kind of like 90-10 drama by the end. And and it, it feels kind of kind of right for it. I think in in sloppier hands, you would have felt the the tonal shifts as more of a like roller coaster that I didn't need. The other thing we're gonna talk about, I think, handles tonal shifts even better. But that you never you never doubt that you know the movie that you're in. I think it earns when it gets serious. You know, they they give the right weight to Mia Isaac's character story. You know, they 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 give the right amount of weight to when Danny inevitably is discovered as a fraud. Like the movie tells you ahead. There's no spoilers. It is in the trailers and everything that like she's getting her comeuppance. But the movie yeah. does make that like a significant thing and even even plays out, you know, not in specifics, but like this will define the rest of her days. Like she has probably ruined her life. You mentioned the fi- her, them finding out about her being a fraud. Um, that is, uh, I think, I think you don't you don't have to have seen too many movies to kind of have a feeling that the that the Nadia Alexander character's character is going to be the one to out right. her. Her character's name is Harper. But like, I, I do like how it how it parcels that out throughout the movie. Like, I feel like you know, it, I, I saw, I, I kept being, I kept, I mean, you're almost conditioned to think that person's just going to like yell up, yell, yell from the second that like she sees what Danny is doing. Like this yeah, is wrong. She's a fraud yeah. run to the boss or whatever. Instead, you just see her kind of like being skeptical quietly. And I kind of like the way it did that. Instead, it is having some presence there about someone just yelling about her being a fraud, the whole movie. It's just kind of in, sitting there in the background. And I do like how it just kind of builds and builds to where she ultimately does like, out her but like I, I i thought it was smart and how it handled that you know and i and i i think she's a really good actress i think she won some of the acting awards at like tribeca right for blame yeah, and just, um, i didn't see yeah she and she and uh quinn shepherd are actually partners they are yeah now um, yeah 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 i knew that but like they, i just hadn't seen her acting a lot since blame but i'm like I, um, I think she's a really good actress don't remember what else i've seen her in but yeah she she is a good actress and i like mm-hmm. that she really sells the the when she when she has her sort of standoff with zoe deutsch where she kind of breaks down like I know you've done this and I'm going to reveal you you can do it instead of me and there's kind of like the like why which is funny because Danny is asking like why would you do this to me as opposed to you know why did I do this and she gives <laughs> reasons but she even ends with and honest and I just don't like you like, <laughs> and that's and that's a really interesting dynamic to this character who doesn't like they don't match at all and she's seen through her the entire movie, but for the, you know, early on, you're not really on Harper's side because you're like, you're awful too. I get like, you know, they're not seen as like such great people, the rest of the people in the office. But, you know, as she becomes initially bitter, you're like, mm, that's not a great look. But as you realize like, oh, she knows she's getting that something's off about this. It's it's a really interesting build up to that scene where you're like, I get it because you would you would feel that way. You would be like, I'm doing fine. And you should have no reason not to be doing fine, but you chose to do this. And you, this is just, this is beyond the pale. Like, even if I liked you, I wouldn't be able to support this. But the fact that I don't like you and I don't think you're a good person, now that I've learned you're the worst person, <laughs> there, there's no way I'm not taking you down. Well, I also really like the way they follow that scene up because just in general, like this phenomenon of like, you know, celebrities that get in trouble or get canceled or whatever. And so many of them can't bring themselves to like do an actual sincere apology. You know, yeah, like it's no. all, it, it, it's always like some kind of qualifying or 
you know, if I, if I offended anyone, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if you were offended, there's, there's always that kind of language in there or, uh, or they just like rather double down when it's like, yo, like people like will forgive a lot of terrible stuff that famous people do. if They can just sincerely apologize and move on the right way. And a lot of people just seemingly can't. So I kind of liked how like they end that, they end that scene with Harper saying, uh, but, but they, they end that scene with Harper saying, you owe Rowan, Rowan Aldrin an apology. And like she can't even bring herself to do that, and uh, and and it gets at the last thing I, I want to talk about this movie about like with the you know you don't get a redemption arc thing, and it's like like it, it felt really true to life how someone would not have the guts to handle that the right way, and uh, and then would only like try and handle it once the person showed up at their front doorstep or at their office door or whatever, and I and I I, I really appreciated the movie just like didn't. I don't even want to say that it, it didn't give her a redemption arc, but it also like still made her flawed at the point at which you're normally conditioned to see the person like, you know, do the right thing. And it's like really doesn't even like let its quote unquote protagonist do that. You know? Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's the thing that I think sets the movie apart from just being like solid or just being good. Mm -hmm. it, it does. It, it also, it just, it has the courage of its convictions to tell this story in the way that it, kind of should be told as opposed to a because the movie is fairly accessible and mainstream but also in the way that prevents it from being what would feel like a hollywood like you know i i i don't know i can see the version of this movie that's just like a throwaway like star vehicle meant to open one weekend get some date night action and, and move yeah well i guess that also kind of brings me to the the last i don't know 15 minutes of this movie and uh, there's a scene that's gotten a, a, a bit more publicity, uh, which is this: the, the, Danny ends up at like a uh, a, a bit of a uh, a therapy session for canceled people, and uh, I think the biggest headline it's got was because Quinn Shepard convinced Caroline Calloway to star as herself in this. Who, you know, I think as, as a as an internet character, she loves attention so much that she's happy to go be the the, the butt of a joke, and was a good sport about this, I suppose. Uh, also, I was a, I was a little confused that like Quinn Shepard played herself in that scene, uh, yeah. seemingly almost, and I'm like, it's like I, I don't think you've done anything to get canceled, Quinn Shepard. Why are you here? I like you. I like you as an actress, but why are you here? Um, and like other people like that, and I think a couple more critical reviews that I did read seem to almost they seem to posit that the movie was making some kind of argument was actually trying to make some kind of argument that oh no cancel culture has gone too far and i wholly disagreed with that and yeah. i thought like i i kind of took the end of this to mean like look like and i and i think i might have seen a quinn shepherd interview somewhere where she was just like oh no just like don't like send rape threats to people or whatever well yeah no or, like, it's like i don't think it's anything about the cancel culture so much as like the extreme of anything is mm -hmm. bad and right. and yeah no if you uh if you get doxxed, essentially, like it's not going to be by normal people. It's not going to be by people who aren't going to, you know, send it out to the the fringes of society. Like, I don't know. I, I didn't I didn't feel like it had that much to say about cancel culture so much as like you you earned this. Like, you know, yeah, not to, not to say that, like, you know, skinhead should show up to her house and try to kill her. But I mean, it's it's kind of that thing where it's like we don't think that's good, but also you didn't think about your consequences. Look at all these different consequences. And, and that's including one. And like, that's a fringe and that's an extreme and like nobody deserves that. But also that's what comes along with all this good, bad, and different. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, I, I, I just think some people read the wrong thing into it, in my oh, yeah. opinion, at that point. And I, and I, I just think I think it's like really like smart how it ends. I don't think it's trying to like. I think she just like liked the idea of like getting. I mean, uh, of of like actually like 
adding a dose of realism to it by, yeah, by having I mean, someone like Caroline Calloway there. But like, I don't think they're by any means saying like, yeah, Caroline, Caroline Calloway's a good person. You guys are too mean to her. I don't, the movie's not no, saying that I think at all. That's the same equivalent of like people who think that Juno and, and Knocked Up are pro-life movies. Like, no, there's just the mechanism of a movie is if you're having a movie about a pregnancy, if they abort the pregnancy, your movie is over. Like we just, <laughs> like we can't keep telling the story. Knocked Up is a 15 minute movie suddenly. It doesn't work. Like nobody in the movie is, is you know, proclaiming that this is the right way to do things. It's just, that's not the movie. Like, no, I, and it's just funny that it's only movies that are popular. Like I love Waves. Waves is one of my favorite movies of the last couple of years. Nobody saw it was the problem. So like that movie has a plot where someone gets pregnant and they go to a clinic and they don't like the vibe and they leave. But it's not suddenly some pro-life, you know, propaganda. It's just yeah. people often like to put something that they care a lot about as the focus of everything. And and listen, I'm on I'm on the same side as those people. I just think targeting a, a movie that doesn't have that agenda just makes you seem ridiculous and doesn't further your cause which kind of comes back to not okay pretty sure you did not one of the one of the times where you were you, you came on here with me a couple years ago like i made the point after you mentioned waves like I, i'm i'm ready for the next trey edward schultz movie to at least be announced still hasn't happened yet i don't know when that's coming i would I like mean, it to happen i would uh, really i really wish more people would have seen that one so he would have had more options now yeah yeah well hopefully, hopefully someone will wise up and fund his next one but uh but uh i'll, I'll just say i really do like the, the note the movie ends on again I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you that i don't think it's trying to uh, let any of these people off the hook let alone danny and i it's like a it's a nice note where it's like she's allowed to have learned something but the movie doesn't i don't feel like the movie's telling you like you need to sympathize with her at all or doesn't and it's really not showing that redemption and i i like that it's just like showing that she's not doing that she goes to see rowan's speech and I guess the I guess part of it is that like look it doesn't show her trying to like reconnect with her again. She knows like she's at least smart enough to know not to do it there and just walk out. You know yeah. like it's not going to accomplish anything. She she would only be really trying to make herself feel better by getting forgiven, and she just walks out. And I and I like when a movie like is willing to end on an ambiguous note like that. It's like this she's probably learned something. We don't know how much. We know she did a bad thing. And th that that's an okay end to this story. And I, I kind of respected that it didn't try and do anything tidier than that, you know? Yeah. Totally. Um, any other, any other final thoughts on not okay, Joey, before we move on, or do you think we covered it? I think we kind of covered it. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's a movie that I think offers up a little more than you might expect. Cause we got a really easy way to sum it up. Yeah. And I think, I think, uh, I, I just, I, I hope, I hope a lot of people find it. It's pretty cool. Cause I mean, I think, uh, blame uh, got a pretty small release. I just remember like reading a story when it came out about how like there's this 20 year old that like made a movie and I'm like 20 yeah, years yeah, old no. and made a movie. I think that's I crazy. Think, and I think blame got seen by no one. I think flower and Buffalo didn't really make an impact. I, you know, the lack of a, of a theatrical release is a mild shame, but I think it's kind of like when Netflix things happen, like the movie probably is making, if it had come out in theaters and the same amount of people saw it that are seeing it on Hulu, it probably would have had a 30, 40, 50 million dollar. Oh, total yeah, team. probably. Yeah, I, I feel like I, I just I feel like Buffalo and Flowered even like made it to Hulu faster than Blame. Like I had to rent Blame on like Fandango or something yeah, like Blame that. Is, you know? Blame, I think just never I don't even remember who picked it up. It was never like at least Buffaloed. Yeah, been like I don't remember who had it, but. But you it was know, on, I think I think I think I watched Buffalo on who or maybe I ran it. I don't remember. But like I, and Flower might have been like IFC films or something like that. Like, right. You know, right. Small places. But at least actually Buffalo might have been Focus. I don't remember. But, you know, like those kind of thing where like they they're they're small pickups for actual distributors. I think Blame might have even been like lower tier than that. Like just exist because they they thought they could 
make a dollar off of it just because it played at a festival kind of thing. Yeah, well, she did it through like a Sundance Lab or something like that, right? Or one of those things? Um, well, she actually uh, financed it herself. Oh, yeah, right, right. College fund thing. I forgot. Yeah, I heard, heard her mom basically paid for it. Um, it actually came out via Samuel Goldwyn Films, which is not nothing, but they're, they don't spend money on it. Gotcha. Yeah, I no. I, I my point being is like I, I hope I hope Hulu likes the numbers they see and Quinn Shepard gets to do more stuff and oh totally. yeah and, no and, want... and, and, and same for Zoe Deutsch. Um, I mean I want both of them to be big. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I the other last thing I note I'll just say I because we briefly touched on him like I think Dylan O'Brien was fun comic relief and I I've just gotten a real kick out of his like last year. You know yeah. he's a guy that like you know he did all these like kind of big budget stuff all the Maze Runner movies he did American Assassin which I know was a bit of a flop but I saw it because it was based on some books I had read and yeah uh, and like though. yeah yeah and like he he just done a lot of stuff like that and, you know I know there've been talk about him like you know auditioning for like superhero stuff and things like that and he's just like it seems like he's just like doing stuff that like interest him even if it's not I, like super big i spoke to him for the outfit and he kind of i don't remember if he straight up said he agreed or like kind of agreed like those are not they're just not fits like it, it doesn't ask much of him and i think what he does well i think it's one of those ones oh you look like you should be in those roles mm-hmm. and that's a great compliment great i work out but mm-hmm. you know, his vibe is way more like the first thing i saw him in was the first time you know this mm-hmm. uh this really nice like teen movie or you know he's good in the outfit he's, he's good in this like he's He's at his best when he's allowed to to sort of have personality. Also, he's a Met fan, so like he's really good in my book. <laughs> yeah, and like it's it, it, it's just like fun. It, it's cool that he just seems like he's leaning into that. He 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 did the he did the all too well short film, did the outfit, did yeah. the guest starred on Kirby Enthusiasm, and I also like he's like done like three different like online skits. I don't know if you've seen any of those on Instagram with the actress Sarah Ramos, who he's like good friends oh. with, and like yeah, she just like she just like does reenactments of other scenes. She started doing it that's early cool. in COVID. So like, I mean, it, that's it, the thing. Someone who's want to play is is always a is a good thing. You never want someone to seem like they don't enjoy what they do. Yeah, so I I, I just think it's cool that he's just like oh whatever. I'll just do, I'll I'll just do fun stuff even if it's not sure. big and maybe something big will happen for him at some point I mean, that I, I is, imagine- is a big fit. I imagine he made a couple bucks off Maze Runner and American Assassin. Stuff exactly. Like that. I'm sure he's not like going hungry. And, yeah. you know, I'm sure there's there's probably in a commercial or something like that that I that I haven't realized that, you know, <laughs> there's plenty of ways. If you want to make movies that pay you scale, you can make your money elsewhere without a problem. Oh, yeah, for sure. I just if you had told me that and I actually think like, I actually like the Maze Runner movies. OK, but like if, if you told me like that guy that did the Maze Runner movie is going to like just play, play, be hilarious and like an, a, be a hilarious stoner in some other indie movie you're going to watch in five years, I would have been like, OK, sure. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and I, I was just totally here for it. So I just I just want to make sure I shouted him out before we uh, before we moved on. Uh, but yeah, so the next movie that Joey and I are going to talk about today is Vengeance. It is the the, the directorial debut from B.J. Novak, who I think, you know, okay. most people know as uh, Ryan Howard from The Office. But, you know, he's popped up in other things here or there and had his own actually had his own TV series earlier this year, too, that I didn't watch yet. But, you know, he's uh, he finally kind of like um, I, I and I, I've read about Vengeance and it seems like he actually took a while for him to get this made. So it's a bit of a passion project of him. Uh, he stars he stars at. He stars in it, too, as a guy named Ben uh, Manalowitz, who is a uh, New York media type. Uh, I'm glad I have one of those here with me today, too. Um, I don't hang he, out with John Mayer, though, unfortunately. You don't hang out with John Mayer and just talk about all the, all the chicks you're hooking up with? That's I mean, not your if average I, Friday if night? I, if, I, if I was on either count, I probably would. I don't know. I'm not above <laughs> it. But, no, like, I, can't, I can't say that that is what happens. I do like, though, it's a weird tangent, but that the movie doesn't say it's not John Mayer. <laughs> like it could just be John Mayer, and I, I like know, I, that. I, right, I had the thought when I was watching it. Like, I, 
it looked like John Mayer to me, but I'm like, yeah. why would John Mayer be in this movie? So I almost That's leaned right. over to my friend and was like, is that John Mayer? I'm like, that can't be John Mayer. <laughs> and he, he and Novak are apparently buddies. And, and, and I read an interview where he was like, I, I was, I trust them enough to not just be like, we're buds. Do you want to do this? To be like, you, you, there's a reason that you offered it to me. And he was like, it was, of course I was going to do it, but like it was <laughs> great to be kind of like offered in a way of like, I think you can do something with this as opposed to I'm directing a movie. You want to come play? Oh yeah. That's cool. Well, yeah. So, well, actually the movie doesn't start with that. The movie starts with us seeing a body get buried, but then, yeah. you know, you, you, then, then you jump back to, uh, to Ben and uh, maybe John Mayer uh, talking at a New York city and party. John. Like, <laughs> Yeah, a friend named John. Uh, then just like chilling at a some kind of New York City party. Uh, ben is like as a writer for the New Yorker. Uh, they they call him a boot checkmark guy and say that he uh and say that he just uh and he wants to like but he wants to be even bigger than that and he wants to you know maybe get into podcasting because he's a storyteller. He tells stories and you see him at a party pitching uh, a character named Eloise played by Issa Rae who's a podcast producer at this universe's version of NPR and uh and he's just say, she's like well what what do you want to say he's like I don't know. I just, I, I, I just, I just want, I just want to have a voice. And so he's really, he's really trying to like hit a big doing something else. And one day he's like woken up in the middle of the night after like hooking up with some random girl and he gets a well, call from somewhere that they, uh, he, that's what the scene with John establishes is that the girls he hooks up with are kind of just like categories is like sort of a name, maybe a hair color, what app they met on where they, or where they met or where they're from or something like yeah, that. So it's like, uh, Oh, Jen, blonde, Jim, or like Heather, redhead, Raya. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that, yeah, that was, that, that's the point of that scene with John Mayer is them just like talking about modern hookup culture and the way they, the way they treat women rather disposably. I think it's actually, I think even with his desire to be like, Oh, I want my cereal. I want my, this American life because it's all just, it, 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 uh, my, 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 my writer miles actually said it best. It's a movie about, uh, that has something to say about having something to say. Right. these are people and he's like Ben has opinions about everything and feels like they're valid because he's, uh, you know, a metropolitan New York creative type. But the things he's saying and thinking are not really essential or even like, right, like, you know, objectifying women, not great. Thinking that, like, just because I'm here, I have a voice like I'm better than Texans as well and all these things. And then the fact that the movie challenges them is, is quite good. But I think even just the setup before you know what the movie is. Well, yeah, a really subtle job of that. And I, 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 th- I also think that scene is just is just is just pretty important because yeah. uh, it kind of sets it up as like, you know, I think it's it's it shows you that B.J. Novak is like being pretty self-aware in this whole venture and not right. trying to like present this guy as being like too virtuous, even if like, you know, he comes to learn some things along the way. It's like he's not trying to tell you he's some great guy because he knows that, like, you know, a lot of those kinds of white guys that work for the New Yorkers, they are, you know pretty privileged Harvard graduates and BJ Novak happens to be a guy that comes from a somewhat privileged background and went to Harvard, you know, yeah, he's not, he's, um, not leaning, he's not leaning away from who this person would be. Cause he's like, if we're being honest, I kind of am this guy and maybe I'm better than this, but you know, it wouldn't shock anyone if he was like, no, so much of that is based on real experience. I'm ashamed of it. Or maybe I'm not, but you, you imagine he has enough self-awareness to be like, you know, whatever I've been up to in my younger days was probably not the way to go about things. Yeah. And all that setup is rather important because of where this character is going to go geographically. Yeah. And he, 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 and how he's going to compare himself to the people he meets along the way. Cause he gets a phone call in the middle of the night from someone claiming to be the, 
uh, claiming to be a, a family member, or I, I don't know if he identifies himself as a brother on the call, but just saying like, hey, uh, your girlfriend's dead. And he being the guy of this hookup culture we've just been talking about, who can't remember the name of any, the last name of any girl he talks to is very confused about this. Though uh, this guy is insistent that no, like this girl that I know means so much to you, that's your girlfriend. Like she's dead. You need to come to Texas for the funeral. And we don't see every single um, uh, calculation in his head as to why he actually goes to Texas, but he, you know, he ends up in Texas. He feels compelled to do so and uh, i guess intrigued or i don't know but he doesn't go to austin which is the only thing he's ever heard of because he sat on a panel about the future of new media at south by he's going to uh five hours away from abilene and west texas yeah. is actually that big where you can be five hours from like a city that's kind of just oh, like yeah, a no, I, Texas I, drove, city. I drove once from austin to dallas or somewhere around dallas and yeah no the middle of those ta- of, <laughs> of that drive is Sometimes places I knew of because they just mentioned it on like a West Wing episode of just like some, you know, hick town they wound up in for something. But yeah, you're passing places where you're like, this is uh, essentially off the map. <laughs> like they, yeah, look, they would feel me for horns. Before I get back to the plot, but it, while this might come up in the plot again, now that I know you've driven through Texas, have you ever had Whataburger? I actually have not. Oh man. Okay. Well, that you got to put that on your list next time you end up somewhere in like the Florida Panhandle or anywhere. Oh, no, yeah, uh, it was, I was in I was in Florida with my with my now ex for my my writer Miles's wedding actually back in I think it was November. Oh yeah, you went to Jacksonville, right? You could have we gotten Whataburger there. We were we went to Orlando to do Disney and 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 Universal, and then we're in Jacksonville for the wedding, and um, we got caught up in the fact that they have waffle houses, so we went to a bunch of waffle mm. houses because yeah. I, despite being diabetic, I'm a sucker for a, a soda once in a while. And they have that pump of the like, cherry syrup. And, <laughs> you know, the nice old lady who like, like is the waitress there was like, oh, you do two pump, the light second pump or something like that. And it, just, it <laughs> was best. It was it was it was as if like a cherry Slurpee was a soda. It was mm. the best. So I just like I have to go back for that. But gotcha. I do want to. I've had I've had some I think I don't remember if I was down there. Might have I had Culver's, which I know is more of like a Wisconsin type burger place. They're all good. I, Culver's, I Culver's have, is kind of like my go-to for like dessert because like all the ice cream near me in downtown West Palm Beach, it's yeah. like it's like nine dollars or whatever. And Culver's, I can get vanilla custard with Reese's peanut butter cups for like less than five bucks. Oh yeah, no, like that's why. That's like McDonald's ice cream is not as good as Baskin Robbins, but like a, on a hot day, like for two bucks to have a vanilla ice cream when it's yeah. five or six, you're like, this will this will do the thing I want it to do. Well, you know, next time you next time you actually find yourself in the South, you got to try Waterburger and report back. But I was curious because oh, you know why that, yeah. that, that, that becomes a popcorn because they're right there. It's right there. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, but basically, uh, uh, Ben ends up going down to Texas and uh, meeting up with the meeting up with the family of of uh, the uh, uh, of the uh, of the girl who, who he'd been hooking up with. Um, yeah. Who? Uh, well, sh- shoot, I'm, tr- I'm trying to blink on her name. Um, uh, well, her name is, is Abilene. She's been telling everyone that, like, I date this guy in New York named Ben because it's small town Texas. Oh, this, like, New York, you know, mover and shaker. So they, they've fallen in love with the idea of this guy. And once he hears about that, that's also part of what is a little bit of an ego boost. And then, obviously, when, when the brother is like, oh, we think she was murdered. You're going to help me avenge him. It all sounds like nonsense to him, but he starts to be like, oh, these these rubes, I think I've got a podcast. You know, like that's that's the initial. Yeah, story. yeah. He, he goes back and he pitches the Issa Rae character. I'm like, look, these people, they're they're prone to conspiracy theories. Well, why don't we instead of like doing a, you know, uh, a story about like who did it? How about we figure out why someone why they think someone did it in the first place? And even though that, he names a dead white girl. 
Well, right, because and that's one of the that's one of the better parts of the movie where Issa Rae gets very excited when she's like, "Is there a dead white girl?" And he's happy to report that there is because that's a hook. And because oh, yeah, he, uh, he sends these missives, you know, he sends these like starts of the episodes that are very serious and kind of play like what you would hear on that kind of show. Mm-hmm. But just because you know what he's doing, you know, he'll have this like, you know, the this town is is on the edge of nowhere. And, you know, I'm, I'm not saying what they actually said, but you mm-hmm. know, something that sounds very earnest and like it's something that has something to say, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm Ben Manel. It's this is dead white girl. <laughs> well so <laughs> so i guess yeah and then as he starts to kind of investigate this he being that kind of you know uh, uh coastal elite that joey and i were talking about at the beginning of this uh you know uh, yeah <laughs> he, he he ends up uh he, he ends up you know saying hey there's more to these people that meets the eye and he becomes genuinely intrigued with them as he you know makes this podcast and i and and that's kind of where the story takes off it's a him kind of learning about learning about what these people actually are but also you know kind of solving this mystery along the way uh joey i know you really love this movie uh and you had a unique experience with it and it was like one of the rare occasions these days where you actually got to go into a movie really not knowing anything how did that even happen and uh how did this movie really strike you uh so it was a tribeca film and Tribeca was kind of a clusterfuck this year. Like it just, it was in person, but most things were available to watch online. A couple of things that were in person got canceled. So like, I only went to one Tribeca screening in the city. I went to see Ray Romano's uh, film somewhere in Queens, but like the black phone was supposed to play and it got canceled like the night before. So like most of the things I just had links and I either had studio links ahead of time or the, you know, the, 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 the Tribeca, you know, thing would put it up there so i knew this was one of them but for some reason i must have either missed when it was or it wasn't available online this didn't strike me as like a, a must see even though i didn't really know what it was about and i didn't think about it i didn't think about it and i realized it was just coming out you know this this past week and i it's as craven as i didn't have anything planned to review that week and i kind of just needed content for a day that i was like oh let me get a link for that and hmm. i watched it literally in the worst scenario you could i started at like two o'clock in the morning like planning to write the review that night still. So I was, I was anticipating like, this is fine. It'll be two and a half or three stars and it'll be any, anything that I've done, uh, you know, 200 times a year. And yeah, about, about halfway through, I started to be like, I think I love this movie. Like, Oh, 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 wow. Like, cause it does so many interesting things. Like the, the, the comedy and the satire is very on point when it gets like emotional and dramatic. It's really good. Cause the thing is, you know, he's, he's not a great guy. But he's he's not terrible. He's not a terrible person. But the thing is, he starts to realize like, oh, you know, because he's for a while, he's under the impression that this is like this just amazing human being that he missed out on this chance to know. And and she thought the world of him and he never realized And he looks back on like text messages and realized he kind of was like blowing her off and like finds like music and stuff like that. And he has this very relatable feeling of regret of just like I not that I killed her or anything, but like, am I even just like 1% responsible for like, would things have been different if I paid attention to her? And he sells it really, really well. Even just like his relationships with the family members, because they're all more than their cliches, even just like the, the kind of like hot sister who wants to be famous for being famous. Like she still has like a moment or two where she walks into his room and says something really kind of accidentally profound. And, but the movie then has the courage of its conviction to see his face go, Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, that's amazing for the podcast. Like you can tell that he's like, oh, I didn't record that. Um, and even just when it gets into its like actual 
mystery kind of thriller elements, it doesn't really pretend not to know who a suspect might be. Like the person who might may or may not be involved is pretty clearly the person who may or may not be involved. But the fact that there's some twists and turns to like what happened to to Abilene is surprisingly well handled. So it's mm. just you're watching this going, this is a good comedy. This is a good satire. This is a pretty solid drama. It's a really solid like murder mystery, maybe. You're just like, it, it's doing so many things well where normally any of these things, there's at least one thing that it's doing fine. Like I love the Nick Cage movie, you know, the unbearable weight of, of massive mm. talent, but no one's going to pretend that it's a great spy movie. It's a totally mm-hmm. acceptable one in a really good comedy. So the fact yeah, that I, I, does everything was a shock to me. Yeah, I would I would argue that the uh, the spy the, the spy movie part of unbearable, unbearable way to mass town was like my least favorite part of it. And I and I and I yeah. like the movie. And I might uh-huh. even like mass town more than this movie. I have to like reorder my list. But like, yeah, th- there's something about this movie the fact that it's just so satisfying on every level that by the time it it gets to where it's going and like the cards are on the table, it's it's shocking how effective it is because there's so many things that could have been cliches. The family, especially the like the the inevitable like oh you're you're using us type thing you know the the comeuppance all these things they're they're done so interestingly and so well and I just it's again it has the courage of its convictions and it has consistency there's a there's a big thing that happens to, uh, in the last couple minutes of the movie and the very next scene has sort of almost to the side like characters who have been in the movie before known to be kind of like bad at their job and like dismissive of everything get alerted to what just happened and are dismissive and bad at their job about it. And it's just like, Oh, this is what happens. No matter whether it happens to a main character, a side character, this is just what happens in this part of town. Yeah. So it's funny. I, so in 2019, I think was when late night came out and I made the point in there that like, I thought Mindy Kaling like never really got the credit she was due for like, if you go back and if you go like on the IMDb and you see who wrote the most episodes of the office, she has yeah. more like solo writing credits on any or on, any, on the office than anyone. And like BJ Novak is like two behind her. And I think it's good that like the office, like blowing up, like probably helps him get something like this made. It, Cause it's had this second life where like, it's like everyone's personality that they love the office on mm-hmm. half of the dating profiles you've seen and whatnot. Probably, yeah. And I think, and I, and I think, I think, I think it's just like people like don't realize like how big of a part both he and her had in writing that show. And he's just like a very talented writer, obviously. And I, and I, I think that just kind of comes through and just how like how sharp this movie is. And one of the things I really liked about it, and you talked about how like it's clear he's not a good guy, but at the same time, I think it's kind of clear he is a smart guy to a certain extent because he like just the way some self awareness. Like he's Mm -hmm. he doesn't think he's a bad guy, so he's not self aware about that stuff. Right. He's self aware enough to as he's being affected by things to realize like oh, I'm changing. Like he has this. There's this sort of like not false ending, but when he thinks he's finished the podcast and he sends like the last sort of episode in and it's this fairly like even like touching moment of I they're they're the people who are actually living their life like I'm Mm -hmm. I my life is not as fulfilling as theirs like you know this this story is about me and it's about everyone and it's it's about in a way what we're like and you know like Easter Ray is like oh my god it's perfect it's it's just don't touch it it turns out to not be what the the situation is, but the fact that like he's come to a place where it's still about him, but he's recognizing the flaws are interesting because, you know, I think most movies would either not have that and he would be kind of like a dimwit about everything or he would be a great guy and, and it would be less interesting. The, the fact that when, you know, the family kind of is pissed at him, 
your understanding of it. But also, I still love even then, like, they, he still goes back to their house at the end of the night to, like, sleep there. Like, he's not <laughs> kicked out. Like, the little brother is still sleeping in the same room. And the little brother watched everything happen and immediately helps him when he needs help with something. Like, they're just, you know, they, they're like, well, you're, I guess you're a shitty guy, too. But, like, we yeah, know. Yeah, but he, well, he's able to ingratiate himself and ingrain himself in that family so quickly because he's smart enough to know when to shut up, even if he yeah. is, like, kind of like a, 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 a this kind of white guy with a with an ego at this and he's smart enough to know that and i think him being so effective and like having that character do that and get all in and, and, and getting these people to open up in a believable way i just think my favorite part about the movie and i mean we're going to talk about the ending because i'm honestly still not quite sure how i feel about it but i mean right. i love the journey so much yeah. that like i think what i found the most brilliant thing about this movie is that like i feel like it did a great job of like showing and not telling what I feel like a lot of people just say we need to do in this country more. It's like, yeah. you know, it doesn't even need to like spell everything out for you about, Oh, these people probably voted a certain way or anything like that. Like it's smart enough to like know what your the assumptions you're going to already make about these people oh, yeah. and the assumptions yeah. that you know, he's going to make about these people. And it just shows how he approaches them in nice way where he talks to them. Cause I feel like you've heard, you've probably read more than you've probably seen more headlines or read more stories than you can count since the 2016 election, where it's like, you know, you really just got to go talk to those people and see what they really care about. And then you'll, and then you'll yeah. find you have more in common than you think and it's like well it's really easy for people that like can, to just say that but what does that actually like look like how do you actually get someone that different from you to like level with you and have real conversations with them and i thought what bj novak did was he like just went and like showed what that would look like he showed us and didn't tell us and that's what i thought was the most impressive thing where he made it entertaining watching this guy go through red america in a way that like you just hear like political pundits say you should do but they, right. they don't actually bother explaining yeah. how you know, well, they, you know. they, they never really bring up the Trump, the Trumpness of it all, which right. I think was a, an important thing. I think as soon as that would be there, because it, it's so much of a, of, a, of a dividing line among just anyone. You can't have a conversation when that happens. But but yeah, like it is never too far from your mind that almost everyone in this movie that's not him or Issa Rae or John Mayer voted for Trump. Like, or if they didn't, they're seen as like, different and weird like it's like they you know what that is that's the scene with the at the rodeo thing with the with, with mm -hmm. the with ut because you is awesome <laughs> and you know in austin there's some of those weird liberals that, <laughs> you know texas tech is right in the heart of like college station we got we're you know we're real america right there but they never bring up any of the the real political stuff because Te texas tech is texas tech is lubbock texas a&m is college station oh, yeah, right. i was i was <laughs> damn close though um <laughs> Whatever, but except you know, except, the, except actually, you're geographically probably not close. They're probably about no, seven hundred miles but away. But the fact that I <laughs> listen, credit. Um, but yeah, the idea that like they they don't bring up guns, they don't bring up all these things. They just show them. Yeah, they show guns in a hilarious way. <laughs> they just pop up as so matter of factly. Yeah, yeah, like they're just like in the, just there's so many just everywhere. Like the kid even like, can you help me clean my gun? He's like, oh my god. But like, <laughs> it, it gets more across of like he's observing like i don't know like he's definitely a changed person by the end and i don't know that they are but it's the idea it does it does do a pretty good job of you know we all have by and large if we're good people the same values uh in terms of like we care about the people we care about we we want we don't want harm to come to people we usually want to fix an injustice like these are the things that we usually get behind and you know if you want to if you want to get real political about it yeah you know if you ask, I mean, you know, abortion, most people want a woman to be able to control their body. Most people want a woman to be able to end a pregnancy if it's not right for them. But a very small select 
few actually hold the cards. And that's kind of what the movie does also. Like, this is a movie where 99% of the characters want to figure out what happened. And if something happened to this girl that was untoward, they want justice to happen. But the people who would do it, the law enforcement, which is a really funny scene, just don't care. Like, it's just not something that gets done in this in this part of town. Or the, you know, the, the unsavory character. You spend time wondering, like, how involved they were in something. You know, they're they're kind of like, well, I'm I'm above it in a way. Even, you know, if, if we want to talk about the ending, we'll talk about that. So I'll, I'll hold back. Well, yeah. So I, I for, for sure. And I think that the I, I, I think a big part of that, too, is that, like, just the the performances that they get out of the Shaw family and like the casting, yeah. like it, it like, cause I mean the, the Ashton Kutcher character, like in that first encounter that they have makes the point about just like how smart these people actually are and how that can actually lead to a lot of the stuff that you're investigating. And like th- that family is pretty smart enough to like call him on his bullshit and multiple I mean, points. He's also talking about himself in a way. He's like, I'm, I'm aware that these are, there's some rubes around me. So I'm going to take advantage of them by, by letting them have their dreams and paying me to try to make their dreams come mm-hmm. true. Whereas sure. you know, when he's saying like, oh, you know, like her sister wants to be famous for being famous. She's not a dummy. She just wants to be famous. You know, they're, it's it's reflective in a way. It's it's good. And like, that's the thing about having, you know, Ashton Kutcher is a okay actor, but he's pretty good in this movie because it's a little bit of a, of a stretch for him. You know, the, the mom in the movie is Jay Smith Cameron and like the the wants to be famous daughter is her daughter. It's Dove Cameron. Mm-hmm. So like, there's, there's some real nice, like easygoing chemistry there with some of these parts. I mean, the the, well, I think uh, well, I think Jason with Cameron is actually pretty brilliant casting on his part. I mean, because oh yeah, I think a lot of people at this point she's now most known for Succession, but like the the real oh, Jason with Cameron heads go back to Rectify at yep. least as or or, 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 I mean, or or I was gonna say Margaret, yeah, but like yep. uh I, I I I've since seen Margaret. The first time I saw her was on Rectify, where she's like sure. she's actually Jay Smith Cameron is from the South. Rectify is like an incredibly Southern show, so I was just like, oh, this isn't a stretch for me to see her playing her, but like I know that like this is a more knowing character than like what the person coming in from the outside might actually think and it's that and the um and just like the the dub cameron and meg stalter characters are just like yeah. very funny because they i think meg stalter is just like a very funny actress and yeah. uh and then but like I, but i guess like i don't know i guess before you like even jump into talking about the end i i, I guess i want to ask you because i guess it ties into just like how we're perceiving these people like what you thought of that boyd holbrook performance because like there's like a lot going on there where that could easily be the most stereotypical thing oh and yeah like boyd, boyd holbrook is like a pretty hit or miss like hit or miss when he shows up in movies for me because he just doesn't always have like I don't know the best parts and he's just he's, like sometimes I feel like he gets cast as poor man's Ryan Gosling like he like we, he like he has that look but we're not gonna ask him to do as much as we would ask a Ryan Gosling I think he's pretty good in like Logan I forget right. who he replaced he replaced someone in Logan and I remember being oh, like oh that sounds like a downgrade and then you watch like no he's 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 into that role like I think it just it's the quality of the writing because I think he's pretty good in this movie like he. You know, yeah, he he's just he pops up and stuff is just like a typical stereo like average white guy that does whatever. And here, it's yeah, like, I think there's a there's an indie movie or two that I've seen him in where he's 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 pretty solid. But oh, like, so yeah, he he played the guy. Okay, I, I just looked at his IMDb. He played like the um he played like one of the passing passing through love interests of Kristen Wiig and the Skeleton Twins. I forgot about that. Yeah, like he's um, he's he's you know like he's better when he has better material. And I think here he has mm-hmm. great material and he he finds that just like. Yeah, I'm kind of like a like a hick dummy, but also I'm aware, and I and I you know I'm like there's a lot of layers to the character, and even especially the like because you spend some time wondering like does he realize that like Ben is is not really the boy like right and and if he does does he not care because one he wants a friend he wants a connection to his sister like 
there's a lot of things like that. I think also uh, Leo Tipton is, is surprisingly good considering it's almost all just like still images or like the archive, archive footage. Yeah. There's very little. Um, uh, she, uh, I believe they, I'm sorry. Um, well, yeah, the, the, the actress is, uh, is non-binary, but the character is not. So it's exactly. kind of hard. It, yeah. Um, you would have you would have seen them in um, Crazy Stupid Love and things like that. Annalie Tipton was, was yeah the name and a very good actress to the point where I I was shocked when I real because I I was like I recognize that that actress yeah I didn't realize till afterward either but I was like that person looks really familiar and I mean it's possible I know she I know um, they were a model for a long time and that might be more what what is the focus so maybe acting wasn't a, a full a full on thing but there's it's a real coup on on, on Novak's part to have someone with that level of I don't know what I would call it. It's, it's just like charisma, gravitas, something like that. There's a you, you just, you're interested in the characters that they play, and, and here it sells that a lot because you could easily just be like, yeah, dead white girl, like whatever. And that's kind of how he's supposed to feel at the beginning. And as he stops feeling that way, we are too. And it's it's but but yeah, but when you see her in that footage, you can kind of get why he is feeling some kind of way about like the way he treated her. Totally, exactly. The movie's runtime, I think, is less than two hours, and it's just very impressive. Right, it's it's very impressive that in that time he like he really conveys a lot of these. Makes you feel as much as you do for these family members, and really buy into them, and understand why someone might want to listen to a podcast about them, or why a a, a, a ostensibly uh, 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 top notch podcast producer would be intrigued by them too. And at the same time, he's still doing a lot else on the side here with this investigation too. There's that very interesting montage where he goes to all the law enforcement agencies. There's the thing where he, you know, interviews the quote unquote cartel guy. And and, and all of that stuff is just like, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's impressive that he just pulls all that off in like such a short amount of time and uh, does such, uh, the, the, such great character work. And the cartel scene is great. Mm-hmm. The, the, when it's just like, oh, here's your traditional like bad guy for this. And immediately as soon as they sit down, he's like, listen, that's, that's not me. I play that so the cartel doesn't kill me. I'm happy to make the money and let them think that I'm that guy. I uh, and then what he says about Abby is like really, really like another smart way of just like informing who she was and uh why and and why Ben like is still is still intrigued by her. Which is funny because you know as we we learn there's more to her than that also. But the idea of like everybody has layers. Like you know this guy who you would think is a is a is a monster saw her as like this amazing person because she read Harry Potter to him because his mom wouldn't let him read it. You know, or you know, any any number of characters kind of have that in the movie. It's it's surprisingly just I don't know. I, it's not even surprising. I know we I know we did it, but like you wouldn't expect it as you watch the movie until you kind of get to the end and you realize no, every single thing like that like happened and was the needle was threaded and this is this is kind of brilliant. Okay, so I guess now would be when I, I want to ask you about this first Ashton Kutcher scene, and then we'll talk about the end. Sure. Uh, and I, it, this might, it might, it might be a, a, a good time for people to jump off if they really are afraid of spoilers. Cause I, we haven't really spoiled much yet. But, uh, I mean, I think you, I think you lose nothing if you know what happens at the end of this movie. Sure. But, uh, that, that's your one disclaimer. Go away now if you want sure. to, but man, I, I, you talked about it a little bit, how it's a, it's a little bit against type for Ashton Kutcher to do something like that though. I was freaking riveted during that first scene he was in. Uh, it was yeah. like, wow, this guy's a fucking prophet. This is very strange, but I'm like, I can't take my eyes off of what Ashton Kutcher is doing here. Uh, so I, what did you think of Ashton Kutcher in that moment? And did you already, did you think like, uh, did in for a second, I was like, maybe we don't see that guy again, but like, I mean, it seems I like you we kind were, of, you kind of knew where I was going. He's too big. A, he's too big. A, he's yeah. too big a name and he's too right. prominent and like, that's 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 where knowing how the sausage is made is not always helpful because like yeah. knowing there's like 
two or three real images from the movie that are available. One of them is him. And like most of the interviews go leading up to the film's release have been involving him. Like, Oh, this is oh, okay. a one-off cameo. But, but yeah, it's really interesting in that it's this character who maybe, you, you know, you're not sure whether is he just like another like yokel, but Oh no, he's, he sees them as those guys. And is like, well, I can do something more. And I'm, this is my version of moving to New York and becoming, you know, in a coastal elite, I'm just going to become the the king over right. here. And this is before you real you know that like he's involved in, in drugs and things like that. He's just running like, you know, the the thing that like Homer took Lurleen to in The Simpsons to record her her demo tape. It's just like, oh, you want to you want to be Rebecca Black? Sure, give me some money. I'll record your thing. I don't really care if it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like it was interesting. I mean, it felt like uh, obviously to some extent that character in that first scene is a little bit of a mouthpiece for some of the thesis of the movie. But at the same yeah. time, if you're going to like have someone spell it out like that, why not have some actor do it in like a really surprising way in a way that just kind of like uh, t- takes you aback. So sure. I, 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 I really, I really did appreciate it. And I was like, I, it, it surprised me in, in, in the same way. Like, I mean, I, I wasn't, I mean, I just didn't even know what the movie was two weeks ago. Uh, so I was surprised in a different way from you. Cause I, I know I've just been so busy at work. I haven't really kept up with what's coming until it's right upon me. And I had, had they had a good movie poster. So it, that yeah. got my attention in the theater. And then I, and then I looked and saw the reviews were okay. I was like, all right, I need, I need something to do Friday night. I'll, I'll, I'll go do this. And oh. so I, I, I really had very few expectations going in. And then I saw Ashton Kutcher's name in the credits and I was like, huh, he hasn't showed up yet. Like, what's he going to do? Yeah. And, and when he comes in and does that and like, I, I had the same thought as you, like, I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not as much of a professional as you are, but I'm like, it would make sense for him to do something else, but I really have no idea where this mystery is going. Cause he's doing well, such was, a good job of telling it. You know, there was basically two options. Either he was going to be helpful later on, as in, oh, I got more info. I got some information you should know about. Or he was going to essentially be complicit or the murderer or something like that. And, and it's, you know, when you find out which of the options it is, it it makes a lot of sense. But you're you're also like, well, I knew it had to involve him in some way, whether he was leading you to the end point or whether he was, you know, the he was the you know kingpin. Well, so I think it's fair to say it, it it is option B that you just laid out there that yeah. he was he was complicit and he's complicit in that it's interesting she does overdose it's not a murder per se but right. it doesn't really do enough to help <laughs> well that's the thing apparently there's there's this thing that happens in the town is everyone goes to that party and anyone who goes who parties too hard and, and ODs they just take them to this other part of the it's like right within all the jurisdictions it's it's like this no man's land they just leave you there mm-hmm. and. Despite that, as we learn later on in the movie, this is the other kind of spoiler, is that she and him have maybe been dating or something like that. They have a relationship and she has him in her... In Ben, as Ben, yeah. She has him in the phone as Ben and basically is using this made-up guy she hooked up with once. She hooked up with Ben and just uses the idea of him to get like her family off her back of like, oh, I'm talking to Ben, my boyfriend. And instead she's basically doing drugs with the drug dealer kind of guy. And when she ODs, he just puts her off to the side and like, okay, you're just someone else. And that leads to the final confrontation when he's kind of figured that out. And, you know, he's like, yeah, I, I guess like, like it, you know, whatever I'm above it. But then the kind of mild twist there is, is like, but, but you're doing this podcast. So of course I'm going to tell you I did it. Cause now we're going to be tied together in this podcast. So like, no, I'm never going to get in trouble for this but we're going to have to go on panels and talk about this where like, <laughs> Oh, you got accused of killing or did you do like, you know, I'm going to be the jinx kind of thing. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be famous as maybe a, a murderer. 
And you know what? Mm. I'll be famous and I'll be out of here and no one's going to prove it right or wrong. And I am perfectly happy to live that life. You and me, we're going to be rich and famous because of this. And that's just what happens. White, white men get to get to survive, like kind of thing. And that's it's a really kind of haunting moment, which leads to the really like it's jarring and also wildly satisfying that um, Ben fucking murders him. <laughs> well, yeah, so uh, it's incredibly jarring so much so that like I, I'm still not really it's sure jarring because he misses first. He shoots like a guy from New York who's never touched a gun. He just wildly misses. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, 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 I'm, I've never, I've never touched a gun myself. I mean, I've touched one. I've never shot one. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I would miss even worse. But like, I mean, what it, to me in the moment, I was like, man, this feels like it, like almost took a, a very grounded story to like another place by having him do this. And I'm you know just not sure how I feel about it. I'll tell you what it is. It reminded me of the promising young woman ending, where like. Mm stage one of that ending you're like oh i don't know that i want you to be doing this like this is a bold choice but i don't know that you can recover from it and then you go oh no i i love like i think the promising a woman ending is amazing because once you realize what it is you're like okay i'm in here it's it's a little subtler because it's more just you've spent this entire movie telling ben there's no justice whatever happens happens just accept that some people get screwed by the world and he finally goes, well, you know what? I'm going to do that, too. And this guy took her away. And then, like, the family deserves something. And you know what? If I, yeah, I don't know that he premeditates it so much. But, like, oh, if I, okay, you just let her die and drug her, put her 10 feet over there and nothing happened? I have a, okay, I'm going to kill you and put you 10 feet over there. Nothing's going to happen. And that's why the next scene, literally, of the, like, shitty cops who were in the, or in the, uh, the county are just like, Oh, you wouldn't think he would have an accident as they're going to when they hear he's been murdered, essentially, because they're mm. immediately like, it's not a murder. We don't want to deal with it. He, fell, he must have fallen on his gun and gotten shot. Like, what a <laughs> what a tragedy. So you, then he's literally in the, the Whataburger as that's happening, going like, oh, there will be no consequences because we live in a world in some way without consequences. Or, or, or rather the people that suffer the fewest are the, the, the white dudes. Exactly. Um, like whether whether you're whether you're the, the drug kingpin in in, in West Texas or you're the podcaster in Brooklyn, you, you're a white man, and this world will look upon you as if you're not the victim. Hold that thought about the podcaster in Brooklyn. I, I got to back up to not okay for a second and ask you, because you mentioned Promising Young Woman. Do you think uh, Hannah Marks uh, playing the, uh, or no, oh shoot, I, I, no, I, I watched Don't Make Me Go. Uh, uh, I have a question. I, no, I watched Don't Make Me Go. Hannah Marks is playing the, uh, um, She's the, the makeup girl on the phone the at the beginning artist, of yeah. that. Yeah, do you think that was an ode to Promising a Woman where Emerald Fennell played the makeup person on the phone, or do you think that was totally independent of that? <laughs> I would have asked her if I thought about that. I didn't think about that. But it, uh, I think it, it might also just be like, what's the, just like, this is going to sound really reductive, what's the biggest waste of an actress in this movie? <laughs> like, we don't need to find someone and, and, and make it happen. Like, I can shoot this on my phone right now, and we have our scene. I think that's also, because, yeah, you know, there's... That's probably it. Yeah. Like, do we really need to pay someone else to do this when I can just quickly do this and I'm the one making the movie and I got to get this thing going, you know? Exactly. I mean, listen, act directors like to be in their movies. Listen, Darren Aronofsky is, is at the Ask the Ask show in Requiem for a Dream. Um, I just rewatched Warrior for like the dozenth, dozenth, mm. dozenth time. Hmm. Uh, Gavin O'Connor is JJ whatever, the, the like guy running the uh, Sparta in that competition. Mm. He's the guy who's like, I want to know who the toughest man in the world is. Like, that's just like, oh, it's not, he's in two scenes. Like, we could we could cast the guy, but we're probably going to cast like a, like a big bald, like used to be a wall street guy, but now kind of is in shape. Like in a way like Bezos now just like looks like, a, like <laughs> a, a, a reason like, Oh, 
I guess I kind of look like that. Eh, we'll just shoot me now. I'm in the movie. I, I saw you post about Warrior the other day. That was one of my like early quarantine watches. I'd never seen it. Watched that like in April 2020. Thought it was great. I, Got my both my I, dad and grandpa, both guys from Philadelphia, to watch it, and like they both really liked it too. So I, uh, I, I saw it. I hadn't. Go, I wasn't going to all the press screenings yet at the time because this is at least 11 years ago. Yeah, so it's 11 years ago. I was dating my prior ex, and I remember. I just remember they very specifically because I had to go to her apartment to set up her printer that night. Mm. And I was going to go to a movie. And I don't know if I knew that it was, but it was one of those, they used to do sneak previews, you know, like the week or two before it would right. open. Like, oh, on Saturday or Friday, it's going to be one day where like, you could go see Warrior. And it's got like two or three show times at most of the theaters. I walked to like the, the, the Brooklyn theater that near my, my apartment at the time and bought a ticket. I actually sold someone a ticket. Because they were next to like the kiosk going, what are we going to see? I'm, like, I'm going to see Warrior. I heard, I heard it's like a modern Rocky. I'm a film critic. I'm going to go review this movie. And they're like, oh, sure. And like people were cheering in the movie. Like when he would like make people tap, they would cheer. It was it was an amazing experience. And I don't I, even I, I don't even like mixed martial arts that much. Or like, no, I, don't, I, don't like I, don't, I don't follow it at all. I think that's part of why I like put it off watching it for so long. It's like I just it's just like the sport I care like least about. Like more power to someone if they enjoy it and get a lot out of it. It's just yeah, not it for just, me. It doesn't do it for me. And it, no, it's, it's, just, it's such a good movie. It's so much of a because it's not about it. It's the same way like Rocky's not about boxing. Rocky's about, you know, a guy who is not a part of the world getting to have his shot. And this is mm-hmm. kind of I mean it's shamelessly a Rocky movie essentially, but it's it's about like two guys who are struggling in this economy for different reasons. And and this is the thing that will get them out of it. I mean, in Tom Hardy's case, it's he wants to support a, a fallen comrade. But like Joel Egerton has that amazing scene where Frank Grillo is like, if you don't knock him out, we're going to go home. If you don't knock him out, you don't have a home. Mm. Like I mm. it's, it, that 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 moment still gets me that. And obviously the, the end where he's like apologizing to Tom Hardy and tells him it's OK. And then he taps out like it's amazing. It's like the national song. It's it's, <laughs> it, it's a it's a guy weepy. It's like they quote. It's just, you know. It's like field of dreams or like the sports movies that make guys cry. It's one of those. Okay. We're already off on a tangent, but like, I mean, I, uh, uh, the, you mentioned Rocky. I, I, before, right before we recorded, I saw that story about Sylvester Stallone, just like calling Irwin Winkler, like a piece of shit yeah. for doing a, doing the Drago spin off without him. Yeah. Just, I, I didn't make enough crazy. money. About it. Uh, uh, yeah. He's not a, not an amazing look for him. I mean, yeah, you know, know. he's only made millions off it. I, I don't know what, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I maybe he's couching it and like, I want my kids to make some money off of Rocky once I'm dead. But like, you're not dead, buddy. Like you're, you, you could, you could make more movies and just mm-hmm. give money. I get it that like, he's like, wait, they're going to make more of these, but it was just a crazy story to see out of nowhere. I just always assumed he'd be associated with that. But uh, just, yeah. to, just to wrap it up on vengeance, I did, I did like your point about it, like being like a him, him committing the murder, like possibly just being like another example of how the white guys aren't going to really suffer many consequences, and that it still kind of made sense for him to do it in the moment because you know at the same time he he did feel something for this family and uh kind of kind of want to do something like that. The what did you think of him actually deleting the podcast though? I I was a little bummed because I was like it's still a good show, but I like the idea of like. I, I feel like I've taken advantage of these people or like I've I, I wasn't doing this from the right place, which of course he, he wasn't. But like, you know, the idea of like, OK, she's not a, you know, was she a good person? I don't know. Like he he's back to like, I don't know. I didn't know this person. You know, she and like they knew that she was she had a drug habit. So like they had their own relationship. They weren't telling me about like this is the world doesn't need to know this story. 
Like, right. He probably, on one hand, he probably, on one point, he probably feels a little icky profiting off of it. On the other hand, then on the other hand, like he might just be like, as a journalist, maybe like his ethics are getting the better of him. He's like, I have no idea what to write about. And I, it feels yeah. weird putting this out in the world. I mean, there's probably also the little bit of like, oh, I might be, they might be able to figure out I murdered this guy. Eventually. <laughs> right. I don't think that's, I don't think that's like at the forefront of his mind because yeah. I think that character was, I don't think he would have put two and two together. I don't think the podcast was going to put two and two together that Ashton Kutcher's character was responsible. I don't even think they had the like drug use in it really beyond like, it was so much about like his journey. Like, oh, I treated this, this nice girl poorly and in a roundabout way now i am responsible for her being dead mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah it makes sense i, I it was just it, like you said it was very jarring and i was that's why i was kind of excited to talk about it i just did not know what to make of that the make of that choice with the with, with the uh with the murder and it was it was it was it did not see it coming and i, I I'm, i've been thinking about it a lot and like yeah. it, it's a movie that gives you a lot to chew on and then it throws that at you so, i mean i appreciated that it did that because it could have easily just been done and I like right. that it gave you like something to go home on in a way of like, well, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. And and most movies don't do that. Mm-hmm. And especially a movie that I'm sure he must have known at the time is like, I think I'm do. I think this is maybe like a good movie, like, you know, and, and focus picking it up. Like, I'm sure like enough people were like, this is this is good stuff. Right. Let, me, let me go like one step further in the same way, like Promising Young Woman of like, I'm sure if it didn't have that ending, it still would have been largely received the same way but the fact of like i'm gonna just do it because if i don't i'm gonna wonder what it would have been like if i didn't take the big the big swing so i'm just gonna take the big swing gotcha no it makes total sense uh i hope a lot of people find the movie i enjoyed it do you have any other any other final thoughts on vengeance before you wrap up no it's it's in my top 10 for the year so far so i i and it's a shame it didn't do like terribly well at the box office it did it does it did what every like really good small not quite a full-on indie but like isn't the first choice of the studio to promote movie did it. It was in like number nine or number 10. It gets a wide release. Yeah. 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 It made about a million or two. Like they figured if we open limited, we'll probably make by the end of it, like 2 million bucks. If we're lucky, or just open wide, it'll have like mediocre numbers. It'll make a million and change. And then as it disappears from theaters, it'll make back the same amount. And maybe if we got lucky, it'll make a few bucks more. So yeah, like, or, and maybe it catches on word of mouth wise. I don't know if that's really going to yeah, happen. Cause we got a, we got a bunch of stuff coming now to start <laughs> August, but you know, yeah, you that's, know. it's just, I, I there's so many movies over the years that just you can tell that's the same fate that it's meant to have. Right, right. All right. Well, I think that about covers it. I think Joey and I would both obviously highly recommend it. When Joey says it's in his top 10 for the year, even though we're just seven months in the year, that means something because Joey sees is probably I mean, already seen 200 movies this year. Oh, no, this is a this is a, a light year for me so far. I am only at. I will tell you right now, 131. Okay, so Joey's like still at over. Everyone that listens to this knows I watch a lot of movies, and that's probably about twice the amount of uh, 2022 releases I've I mean, seen. So I'll get I'll get the 300 by the end because I've got um, Critics Choice Documentary Awards. I got, I'm able to pad my list because I see a ton of documentaries that don't end up going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm gonna go to Telluride and Toronto and, and New York Film Festival. So that'll that'll help. Oh yeah, uh, Joey. Anything else? Uh, anything else you want to plug that you uh, that you that that you think people need to check out that you've enjoyed recently, or anything uh, coming up that you've already seen that you want to direct people to? I mean, I there is there is something I can't talk about yet that I, I am very eager to, but okay. <laughs> that is unfortunate. Anything you're allowed to talk about that you want to direct people to? I mean, it, it, vengeance. I mean, that is um, okay. You know, it's a movie that not enough people have seen. Right. Hustle on Netflix, the Adam Sandler mm. basketball movie. It's mm-hmm. really good. 
Um, you know what's really good that that no one's gonna end up seeing? That's a shame. Is um, it's called Breaking Now. I think it was called Eight Ninety Two when I saw it at Sundance. It's the John Boyega, mm. A Williams movie. That movie is so good. Um, it's it's essentially they have, a, they have a release date yet? It's coming out like very very shortly. I think uh, maybe just came. I think maybe next week, this week. Um, gotcha. <clears throat> it's um, it's about a Marine veteran who um was is having like some issues. He can't get help from the VA. He's owed like his last check or last couple of checks and he doesn't know what to do. His daughter needs him. So he goes into a bank and says he has a bomb and gotcha. it's based on a true story. And it was called 892 because he was owed by the VA $892. And, you know, the fact that they made a movie about this guy, you can probably kind of guess where it's going to go. But the idea of like $892 is just it's so it's so frustrating. Michael K. Williams is one of his last movies. He's so good. He's the the cop, like the hostage negotiator, but he's an, also a veteran, and he's you know so good in this movie where he's just telling him like you know your your dignity is worth more than this, sir, like things like that. Like he's he's really like kind of on his side, and it's it's a really well acted, really kind of thrilling, ultimately like a tragedy. That's a great recommendation. I remember hearing about that at Sundance, and I just I just forgot about it like i mean i the only thing i actually ended up getting a virtual ticket to at sundance because i just like missed the boat on that for was um was cha-cha real smooth which i loved yeah, and now like more that movie. more of that stuff is starting to come out like emily the criminal is coming in a couple weeks and like criminal, a lot of those things that uh, hit sundance are coming yeah, in fresh came out pretty early on like oh, i forgot fresh was sundance yeah so uh so yeah we're starting to kind of see the fruits of a lot of that and i uh i really like john boyega a lot i, I a weird take i have about him is that i like him better in just about everything else than i do in star wars um I though mean, i mean no one is asked to do much in those star wars movies right it's just like i but i even like I, I saw that movie of his like imperial dreams he did and he's like great mm-hmm. in that or he, i even liked him in the circle and i didn't even like the circle that much you know, like I, I i i just i just think he's like really good at, at, he's great in detroit like i just, I just really like him in most things though, but, great, great in detroit yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's he's just a really good actor, and I think any anyone that like you know is just like unsure of him because they only see Star Wars should like check out all the smaller things he's done. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I would recommend before we sign off is I I, I mentioned it earlier. Uh, Don't make me go, which was um the uh, the other the, the other Mia Isaac movie to come out in the last two months. It was directed by Hannah Marks. Uh, I'm not. I, I mean, I just watched it earlier today. I'm not even totally. I, I don't know if I really love the movie as much as I wanted to, but like, it's just like a powerhouse acting showcase for like sure. uh, for John Cho and Mia Isaac. And because props to Hannah Marks, like I, I, I and my problems with that, I don't think are with the direction. Uh, it's more, it's more just like kind of the, some of the story stuff. But like, I mean, I, she gets she should get some credit for discovering this Mia Isaac, who I think is going to be around for a while. Like, just totally. very, very impressive. And uh, if you if you liked her and you saw Not Okay, that's another one you can check out that is on Amazon Prime. Uh, Joey, before. Joey, before we leave, where can uh, people find your stuff and what's coming up on Awards Radar? I know you got some uh, festival trips coming up you mentioned uh, earlier. You can find me, uh, find my writing at Awards Radar. You can find Awards Radar on social media. You can find me on social media. It's just my name. Um, Yeah, I'm, I'm going uh, a month from, well, we're recording this on July 31st. So literally a month from now, I will be taking an awful, awful flight with a layover and all this nonsense in the middle of the night to get Telluride to be the first to see we don't know what yet, but you know, presumably a dozen of the big Oscar movies, and then what? Well, it has to be its North American premiere if it goes to Telluride, right? This is the thing. Like what you do is because they announced um, Venice and Toronto, and I'll be at Toronto. Is you read the the Toronto lineup, and if it's a Canadian premiere, you know it's going to Telluride or New York Film Festival, probably possibly both. If it's a world premiere, you know it's not going anywhere. If it's a North American premiere. 
you know it's getting added to Venice if it hasn't already. So you start to read between the lines and figure out what's going. And, <clears throat> you know, like I, for example, she said is going to, I don't remember where it's going, but like it's not at on the Toronto lineup. So I'm like, oh, it's going to Telluride because that just felt like a Toronto movie to me. Or like The Whale is the North American premiere. So it's going to go Venice, Toronto, but not Telluride apparently. Though they do they do every so often screw them over and, and grab like a surprise screening here and there. So like you never know. But it'll be, you know, things like that. Um, uh, Bardo, the big Netflix movie. Toronto has Glass Onion. Um I think I know three movies that are playing at, at Telluride, but I don't know if I'm supposed to say. Uh, don't, don't 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 get yourself in trouble. But like I, everyone can uh, stay tuned and uh, look at awards radar because Joey's obviously going to have coverage from a lot of those uh, a, a lot of these uh, premieres he's going to be seeing, whether it be in Toronto or in Telluride. Which, by the way, I'm, I'm from what I heard about Telluride, like it sounds like a miserable place to get to, but like a beautiful place once you're there. So I mean, just get through that flight, is- and I think you're going to have an awesome time. Well- well, it's it's a flight and a shuttle because there's no direct path to Telluride. You have to go to Denver, Montrose, Grand Junction, Durango, one of those towns, mm-hmm. and get a shuttle or drive, or go to like Albuquerque and drive. So it's just it's also expensive. It's on like it's September first weekend, so it's holiday weekend. Like everything about it is meant to be exclusive and dismissive of people with no money. So I'm just I'm taking a test run on what business expenses are. Is what I'm doing. Ah, you know, got some, you'll, you'll have some write-offs, you know, if nothing uh, else. We're going to try it out for the first time and see what happens. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, good luck with that. Uh, Joey, as usual, uh, th- thanks so much for joining. Oh, it's Joey Later. Madison on Twitter, Letterboxd, Facebook, all that, correct? Um, okay. And as usual, you can find me on Twitter at Josh Jernavoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y. Same thing on Letterboxd. Podcast Twitter is at Pod. Podcast email is therealonmoviepod at gmail.com. As I keep saying, ton of stuff coming in August, so we'll have something for you next week. I just don't know what order I'm posting everything in. As usual, thanks to Joey for joining. Thanks to everyone for listening, and we'll see you next time.